let's uh, tell you about our sponsor this half hour. It's Liberty Safe. Uh, unless you're you know, living under a rock, you should know that Liberty Safe is America's number one safe manufacturer. Their focus on technology, innovation, and style has made them the best in class. I love this because uh, they they test their saves many ways. But one of them is I think they just get together and they're like, okay, what would be fun? And they take dynamite and try to blow them up. And they blow the competitor safe up. And the competitor safe seemingly always seems to... Turn to dust? Yeah, and have the door open. Uh, Anyway, Liberty Safe, best built safe in America, bar none. Learn all about their safes, their website, libertysafe.com. Get a safe now from Liberty, libertysafe.com. The fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Well, the nastiness of the 2020 presidential election is already rearing its ugly head. And I do mean ugly because it got ugly for one person, one presidential hopeful. A good weekend and a bad weekend for the same person. We begin there in one minute. This is the Glenn Beck Program. First, we want to let you know if you're a new listener to the program or if you if you haven't tuned in for a while, this is uh, something new that we started. We cleared out all the commercials we could. Uh, we only break twice for one minute each, and it's a live commercial and right back into programming because we want to spend more time with you. Um, our sponsor this half hour is Simply Safe. No one should feel unsafe. And I, I think we have a problem in this uh, society where people are like, that made me feel unsafe. Really? Really? Because gun at my head makes me feel unsafe. Words don't make me feel unsafe. There is a difference between feeling unsafe. So Simply Safe takes care of the real, oh my gosh, I feel unsafe kind of situations. If you're at your home, you want to make sure that you have the system that will alert you if somebody breaks in during the day when you're all gone or at night when you're all there. Make sure that if that if that window is broken or a door is open, the alarm goes off, a picture is taken, and one that's not all blurry and, you know, you're trying to read it. And it's just, it's too bad of a picture taken with a 1979 cell phone, which didn't exist. So what you need <laughs> is high-resolution pictures. You need really good updated security, and that's what Simply Safe does. Um, Simply Safe, called by The Verge, the best home security. Wirecutter said it's top pick. Three million customers now. All you have to do is to save 10% plus free shipping on any system order is go to simplysafebeck.com. You're going to save 10%. You're going to get free shipping, no contracts. The monitoring is $14.99 a month. It is simplysafebeck.com. That's simplysafebeck.com. I want to play uh, some audio here of Kamala Harris, uh, where she she said we are better than this. This is her first 2020 rally. Twenty thousand people showed up for her rally. Here's Kamala Harris. We are here at this moment in time because we must answer a fundamental question. Who are we? Who are we as Americans? So, let's answer that question to the world and each other right here and right now. America, 
We are better than this. 20,000 people showing up. Uh, she is going to be a real contender. I think she is a, a danger because she is um, uh, not only is she very, 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 very left, but she also um, is 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 not somebody who looks like I am Spartacus. She seems genuine. Now, games are part of the overall strategy. Willie Brown came out. He was former San Francisco mayor, Willie Brown, known for his, you know, outlandish outfits and his extramarital relations. He penned a letter now for the San Francisco Chronicle. And what was the title? Sure. I dated Kamala Harris. So what? Oh, boy. Well, for one, you were married at the time, uh, Willie. But even if we look beyond that. Uh, it is clear that Harris would not be where she is today, a presidential hopeful, without dating a politically powerful man. Brown wrote, I have been peppered with calls from the national media about my relationship with Kamala Harris, particularly since it became obvious that she was going to run for president. Most of them I have not returned. Yes, we dated. It was more than 20 years ago. In a 2003 interview... Harris said of Brown, his career is over. I will be alive and kicking for the next 40 years. I don't owe him a thing, she said in the San Francisco Weekly. Uh, if there is corruption, it will be prosecuted. So we're now playing a game between these two, I think. Brown thought very highly of Harris. Um, he gave her a brand new BMW. I mean, that no doesn't happen all the time. No one's ever given me a BMW. Right. Well... You don't run in these circles, mm. Stu. You know, politicians, they've got money coming out their wazoo. And, you know, when you're a politician, you clearly can buy people BMWs and oh, give them as gifts. Oh, yeah. That's that's what government works all about, Glenn. He said, yes, I may have influenced her career. This is in the letter. I may have influenced her career by appointing her to two state commissions when I was an assembly speaker. And I certainly helped her uh, in her first race for district attorney in San Francisco. I also helped in the careers of Nancy Pelosi and Gavin Newsom and Dianne Feinstein uh, Stein and a host of other politicians. The difference is that Harris is the only one who, after I helped her, sent word that I would be indicted if I so much as jaywalked while she was D.A. That's politics for you. So as much as as much as people think this is bad, I actually think this is good. I think it's good for this reason. You want your skeletons out of the closet. You want them out really early. Um, and so what did he do? He said, yeah, I had an affair. Now, everybody, if you kept that quiet and you kept trying to push that down, uh, then it's a problem. Here's Kamala Harris staying out of it. She's doing a big 20,000 person, uh, event at the same time, an old lover, an old mentor, a guy who was in the power structure above her. Think of think of this. How could she be part of a women's movement when this guy helped her? Well, hmm. What did he just say? I helped a lot of people, but she was the only one that said if I jaywalk, she'd indict me. So she takes no prisoners, even somebody she was having an affair with and he was given her cars. It gets the secret out. 
It will be a day story if that. And she looks tough. I think this works well for her. It probably does. I mean, the story, I mean, they, it was somewhat public at the time that she was having an affair, but it's been long, you know, it's long forgotten history and it's kind of being dredged up. He was, tw- he was 60 and she was 30 at the time. One of the Power inter- dynamic. Yeah. Well, it's, that's one of the, the Me Too thing is an interesting angle on this that you bring up because we've talked, we talked to a couple of people back when the Me Too thing was, was kind of at its peak and it, women who were saying, you know, Yes, it's completely wrong if a man demands sexual favors and tries to uh, and threatens to uh, ruin her career if she says no. Similarly, if a woman is using her sexuality to gain advantages, which, by the way, does occasionally occur or not even sexuality, tempting, flirting, you know, dressing in a particular way to try to get an advantage then that should be something that women are willing to stand up and say, yeah, we should stop doing this as well. Now, you know, there's no evidence per se that this was a Kamala Harris plan to get her career escalated. But it's hard to imagine that she, you know, I mean, as he points out, he helped her and they were dating, right? So there was a, a an advantage she received at some level because of a, of a relationship like that. And it's it's an interesting dynamic to push against this whole Me Too thing. We would We would say here, right? The current narrative is if a man is even even shows mild interest and in, in an underling in this sort of way, he should be thrown out of society. Mm-hmm. And now, as one of the people in the relationship is admitting, this basically helped her escalate her career. So how do we look at that? Oh, should we look back? At, should we dissolve that relationship in our minds and give her no advantage for that whatsoever? Or should we admit basically what they're admitting? It's it's a tough line for someone who's trying to walk the me too and I'm a self empowered woman of all. Yeah, of I'm not all sure how intellect. you're supposed to walk that line with if you're that. Here's how I walk that line. I don't care. I don't care. I mean, I care about the adultery just as much as I care about the adultery with this president and any other president. Um, but I don't really care. I don't care that. Uh, whoa! What a surprise! Wait. Uh, somebody might be giving special favors and BMWs um, to an underling that he wants to have a relationship with. What a surprise. <laughs> yeah, that sucks in politics. What a surprise. Um, what a surprise that a woman might want to have a relationship with somebody who can help uh, her career. What a surprise. What a surprise if neither of those happened and they were actually deeply, madly in love with each other. And they were just having sex and it just happened to work out that she was the best person for the jobs that, you know, yeah. the city would try to. It doesn't matter. Right. You, you, however, are not a Democratic primary voter. For example, another part of this is Kamala Harris is a uh, prosecutor. Right. And she was known, as you kind of saw with the I'll indict you if you jaywalk type of thing. She was known as being a relatively, for, at least for California, a tough prosecutor, put a lot of people uh, you know, held them accountable for their actions, mm-hmm. as they would say. Mm-hmm. Well, you'll notice that that's not exactly a popular position in the Democratic par- par- Party, especially in the primary. I mean, when you put criminals behind bars, they protest. I mean, they're, they'll run can- uh, campaigns to try to free uh, people who killed FBI agents. Like, th- this is not a crew that's like looking for extra prison time. And this is one of the things she's going to be. It's a challenge for her in the Democratic Party because she's put prisoners behind bars and the Democrats don't tend to like that all that much. However, it's a benefit for her in general 
Because people who are not won over by her and socialism that, see, oh, at least she's tough on crime. And it's, that's one of the arguments for her in the general. And that is the biggest thing. How will she do in the general? I don't think Democrats, Democrats, not the diehards, Democrats won't care. They just want someone to beat Donald Trump. You have to mm-hmm. remember that the left views Donald Trump the way the right viewed Hillary Clinton. You can't believe she's still around. You can't believe she's not gotten caught for all those murders that the Clintons did. <laughs> right. Okay. So every crazy thing you ever heard about Hillary and all the crazy things you heard about Hillary that were true and false, it's the same thing. So they're motivated. They will pick anyone that they think can win in the general election to stop Trump. Mm -hmm. And so I don't think they'll care about uh, her being tough on crime because they will know in the general election that will help her. She's I think she is a very dangerous candidate uh, for Donald Trump. And we'll get in more to that here in uh, just a second. And the shutdown. We'll get to that. Uh, It's over. So what happened and what should we do? That's coming up in one minute. Stand by. First, let me tell you about X chair. X chair. um, You don't sit in one of those crappy chairs that, you, you know, you get from the office store. You spend more time in your office chair than you do in bed, most likely. You're spending eight hours sitting sitting in your X chair or sitting in an office chair. Yeah, it's, it's time to make an investment in that, right? When you're spending a third of your life in a chair, you better make sure that chair is comfortable. Yeah. And uh, the X chair does that. Why not? Why not treat yeah. yourself to something? And this is not a treat yourself kind of price. X chair now has X chair basic. And so it's a very affordable chair, but the lumbar support is so great. This most comfortable chair you'll sit in. Um, and if you don't, you know, if you if you sit in it and you're like, I don't like this for some reason, I don't know why. It's a 30 day money back guarantee. No questions asked. But this thing has all the bells and whistles. You will love it. Um, they come with headrest. You get a free footrest If you go to xchairbeck.com and use the promo code Beck. You'll get a hundred dollars off your X chair plus a free footrest just by using promo code Beck. Go to eight four 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 X chair eight four 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 X chair or online at xchairbeck.com. We pause for ten seconds. Station ID. So I think the case for privatization of the federal government can be made right now, um, unlike we've ever had the opportunity before. I think people on both sides feel that the shutdown was wrong to make people come in and work without pay. That's just unreasonable. No other no other entity in America could get away with that, except for the federal government. The federal government should not be able. They have no rights that the people don't have. So I don't have the right to tell everybody, oh, by the way, you have to come in to work, even though I'm not paying you. 
I don't have that right. Wasn't there an amendment to the Constitution that kind of covered this sort of behavior? Yeah, it's in working the for teens no money somewhere. Yeah, 14-ish, 14 maybe, yeah. somewhere like that. Mm-hmm. I don't have the right to tell people I'm not paying you right now, but you have to come in to work. The government does not have any right that you don't have yourself. We lend the rights that we have to the government to do things we don't have time for. So negotiate for a budget. We don't have time to do that, to study all the ins and outs. That's why we hire a representative. So they can, they have the right to negotiate a budget because we do. They do not have the right to enslave people. And it's wrong. And the way to get around this is privatization. And we're one of the last countries to do this. The rest of the world has gone to private air air traffic controllers and we are stuck in an old soviet kind of of uh situation and uh jason uh batril has been with us and he has been um uh, researching specifically margaret thatcher's approach because she changed england for the better when she was in and she privatized a lot of stuff Jason. She, she had to step in right you know they were still on a system like post-world war ii where right. the, the country had already nationalized everything mm-hmm. and, and that was also part of a plan like mm-hmm. socialized health care all that stuff was to you know in a sense to gain control over their people and they nationalized everything steel not only you know health care the mm-hmm. rail system everything was nationalized but when margaret thatcher came in uh, and started privatizing after 1979. Listen to um to, to some of these numbers. So after she had gotten done doing everything she had done, um, 50% of their telecommunications fees dropped. 50%. They went down by 50% after privatization. Their industrial, their gas, uh, energy, all that electricity went down 50%. Um, 25% of uh, the gas that they were using in residential homes um that 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 went down everything started going down efficiency started going up it, i mean it, the, the results speak for themselves since margaret thatcher over a hundred countries minus the united states have followed in in, in her footsteps it has accounted for 3.3 trillion dollars in revenue but for some reason we continue to to, to let government hold us by, by this leash. It's absolutely insane. You know, you know this because you look at security all the time. The best airports for security all have one thing in common. All the best airports in America that are the best consistently in security have what in common, Jason? Their own security? Private security? Private security. You don't have to have TSA. Your town can say, we're going to do this ourselves. And the ones that the the FBI and, you know, our special forces that go out and try to trick the airports, the ones that catch most of the, you know, fake bombs and everything else are all the private security airports, not TSA. You get better product. You get a bigger savings. You're not when the government shuts down, essential services don't have to go away. You don't. It's unreasonable to ask people like air traffic controllers who already have the most stressful job, I think, in the nation, one of them to come in and work for free. It's not right. Yeah, the air traffic controller specifically, I'm glad you brought that up because this is an absolute embarrassment what's happened to our air traffic control because it's under the federal government. Again, this isn't done in places like Canada, places like that, but it's done here. Um, I was, we're going to go through all of this tonight on your TV show. 
But what's happening to air traffic control is an absolute travesty. Do you know that they're still uh, they're still operating under old technology, like r- old r- uh, radar, voice audio. There's things out there they're not using, like satellite based na- uh, navigation stuff like that. that. They're just not using. Why? Because of politics. Because bureaucracy steps in every single time and slows things down. We're we're telling these guys to operate under those stressful conditions, but we're not giving them the tools to actually do it because of politics. That's insane. Would 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 uh would Google or would it would actually would Elon Musk let this happen? No. Would he let his company at SpaceX or Tesla operate under last generation's technology? No. No. Imagine how good it could be today if we unleash them, but we're not doing it. It's absolutely insane. So tonight we're going to take a look at the shutdown and what should actually what what conservatives should be pushing for. In fact, what all Americans should be pushing for, and that is a privatization and. I say a new law that makes it unlawful to ask anyone to come into work without getting paid. So in other words, if you if you are an essential employee, you should get paid to go into work. Now, we just passed that. And there's all kinds of loopholes in that that have taken the teeth out of the next shutdown. And uh, it's the power structure passing things for their you know for their own benefit what really needs to happen is a uh, a privatization effort for all of these essential services because there's no reason the, the the market is much better especially when it comes to technology than the federal government is we're going to go actually line by line and say you want especially for President Trump. Hope he's listening to this because we're going to show them every single company he could privatize today and save billions. And actually, we're going to wipe out the entire federal debt. We're going to make the the, the country 128 trillion dollars richer <laughs> overnight, guaranteed. If nice. he does this, 128 trillion. Okay, that's, there we go. That's on to uh, tonight's uh, program. So he's not doing a State of the Union address. Not uh, yet. He will be eventually. But yes, not but he's not going to be doing tomorrow. it tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's when it was scheduled. What did we get out of this? I want to talk to Stu and to to Pat about what 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 did we get out of this? What was accomplished, if anything? Mitch McConnell said oh, it's a huge loss for the Republicans. Thank you, Mitch. Thank you for that. Um, did we make any progress? What did we get? How is how is Donald Trump's real polls? What does this mean for 2020? Next. You're listening to Glenn Beck. All right. There's a couple of things that you have to know if you're in a relationship, and that is uh, Valentine's Day, for some reason, is important. And it's one <laughs> of those days that you have to have red roses for. Don't screw it up. Don't screw it up. Don't you'll pay that up. price for, for years and years and years. Uh, sounds like a guy with experience. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, here's the best, the, the best <laughs> high-quality roses out there and the best price right now. 1-800-Flowers.com. 1-800-Flowers.com. Ever notice how flowers just keep getting more and more expensive the last few days before Valentine's Day? Right now, you can get 18 red roses for twenty nine ninety nine. Or upgrade to 24 for an extra 10 bucks. 18 red roses. You're not going to get this next week. 18 red roses, $29.99, or upgrade to 24 for 10 bucks more at 1-800-Flowers.com. All right, the shutdown. What does it mean? What do we get out of it? Was there anything? We'll come back on the other side and let you know. 
727 and back is the phone number. There is something that I want to invite you to if you have time today. There is a Vietnam War veteran who died in Texas. He is going to be buried at uh, Central State, uh, Central Texas State Veterans Cemetery in Colleen. Uh, where is Colleen, Pat? Do you know? Texas. Thank you. It's in Texas. Uh, all right, mm-hmm. good. Well, it's a small state, so you should be able to find it. <laughs> if you're anywhere near this, um, he has no relatives, no friends. He died alone. They're afraid this Vietnam veteran is going to be buried and nobody is going to be there. If you're anywhere near Killeen, um, please go to Central Texas State Veterans Cemetery. Um, he is going to be uh, buried today at 10 a.m. And it would be great to have uh, a lot of people there. I know the Motorcycle Club of, of Texas this weekend kind of rallied behind it and they're going to go. And oh, good. I hate to see somebody buried. Um, it's in, not to be facetious, it's in central Texas. I just don't know exactly, you know, the dimensions from here. Yeah, but. okay. Um, now, there's something else. <clears throat> I want to hear from you. You you hear from us all the time. I want to hear from you. Um, the president uh, did the brave thing, shut down the federal government, shut it down longer than anyone else in history, tried to negotiate with the Democrats. I think he would have negotiated just about pretty much anything um, to get that border wall. Um, they wouldn't negotiate. The press obviously does what the press does. The numbers seem to be going down for the president. This seems to be a very bad thing numbers-wise. Um, and he caved on Friday. Did he do the right thing? Are you, are you happy with shutting down of the government? And are you happy with the opening of the government? Should one of those things not have happened, um, either opening it back up and still continue to play that uh, that game uh, or not? What do you think? Was this a win or a loss? And what would you want the president to have done? Uh, 888-727-BECK. Call us now. I want to take a few phone calls here after we talk to Pat. Pat, on your plate today. Uh, Well, we obviously talked about uh the president and opening back up the government for three weeks um here here would be this would be kind of a novel idea what if and i know this is going way out on a limb what if we had a budget as a nation Hmm. rather than going without a budget for the last 10 years Mm -hmm. what would happen if the united states of america had a budget that lasted all year and then the next year they did another budget and lasted the whole year then we wouldn't be in this shutdown cycle all the time what if what if rather than continuing resolutions they actually fix the problem wouldn't that be nice has that happened in in u.s history a budget uh it has yeah really yeah not for 10 years but it there was a time stop during during barack obama Mm -hmm. (laughs) oh it did yeah Yeah. stop during barack obama that's that's obviously donald trump and once you no, once you start something Mm -hmm. once you give uh the permission to the kids in the candy store Mm-hmm. Okay, this time you can take the candy. They'll always take the candy. You'll never stop them taking and the candy. They just keep taking the candy. Yeah. Now. We're never going to get a budget ever again. Probably not. I, <laughs> I mean, don't that's think the way it looks. Yeah, right? I don't think we will. Nobody's even talking about a budget no. anymore. No. Nobody even mentions it. No. Hey, remember, too, Barack Obama had mm-hmm. not only the control the Republicans have had the past few years, but also a, a filibuster proof majority in the Senate for a while. And still, right. that was still an issue. And you know what? He's getting, he's getting, uh, may I change the subject 
uh, slightly and then come back. He's getting everybody's talking about the the uh, the shutdown and did he win or lose? And nobody's really talking about something that he uh, he has proposed and I think is the biggest national security story since the Cold War. And he's getting hammered as, oh, look at him being America first. He is urging countries and companies to not buy any technology from the Chinese for the 5G network. And it's the most important thing. If if they have access to the 5G network, if we are on their spine, they have straight access to everything online. Everything. Every phone call. I mean, you think the NSA is bad? What do you think China is going to be doing with all that? And they're trying to buy, build the spine with their equipment. And America is saying to the West, don't do it. Uh, and uh, I, I think this is the biggest story out there. And nobody's talking about it because we're too busy talking about politics. We're too busy talking about. I mean, th- is there any reason why the Democrats wouldn't negotiate other than they just don't want to negotiate with him and they're setting up for the, the next no, that's it. Election. Oh, they saw it as that's a it. political win, mm-hmm. right? They yeah, saw they it as they were in a better position because Trump had already said it was his shutdown. He's going to, it was, you know, it was his mm-hmm. responsibility. So they knew they could just sit there and have the networks constantly uh, parrot that until it was over and his numbers were falling. And, you know, it seems like he, you know, there was some, somebody in the White House felt the pressure of that or, so, you know, some people are saying it was the Senate. I guess you had mentioned McConnell maybe saying that behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And so they, they uh they fold i mean it was a fold right i mean i I don't i didn't get anything out of it no they didn't there was nothing this was the democrats proposed offer we'll open the thing for three weeks and we'll negotiate the the bad thing is he didn't um not only did we not get anything out of it um he he didn't even get a a message out to the american people you know if if he would have done the state of the union tomorrow and and made strategic choices and said, I'm going to do it down at the border. And I know they say, well, no, no news network would have covered it. It's history. It's history. It would have been in the news cycle. It's he- history. If he would have gone in and gone at the invitation of the Senate, it's history. And if the Senate would have invited him, then I think they would have covered it. But it Mm -hmm. would have gotten out because it would have been such a big deal. And if he would have said then, look, here's the deal. They're shutting everything down They They don't they don't want us. They are they are agents of chaos. And so tomorrow I will open. But I am going to open it up for three weeks because that's what they said they needed to be able to negotiate. So I'm opening up for three weeks. But if this is just another game and they're not offering anything, I'll close it back down. I don't think he will. Close it back down. I don't no, think, so think he will. Though. He'll he'll instead declare national emergency and try to build it. That, that is way. worse. And that's worse. Yeah. I, but I, what are you going to do? But what are you going to do? Well, they're losing the messaging, hmm. uh, as Republicans always do, because they don't know what to do, and they're they're continually losing the messaging, and they don't know how apparently to talk to the American people. They got nobody who can communicate these things, uh, and so you've got all of these socialists in the Democrat Party who are the biggest extremists I've ever seen in American history. Mm -hmm. 
who are calling the Republicans the extremists, and they're just taking it. I thought of that. How is it possible? I, I thought of that today. I, I see, I see uh, Ocasio-Cortez and the way she's being treated. Yeah. And then I thought of Michelle Bachman. Right. She was the most extreme woman. Oh, she was psycho. Ever. They thought. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And she was nothing. And you know what's Nothing even- in comparison to, to Ocasio-Cortez. And she was a constitutionalist. But look yeah. at how they treated her. Like garbage. And what's even more amazing is that they're getting away with this as we've got the perfect example of what happens to socialist nations unfolding before our very eyes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We, we have a country, Venezuela, that was the fourth most prosperous on earth. It was the second most prosperous nation in the Western Hemisphere behind only us. It was ahead of Australia, Canada, Sweden, Denmark, the Netherlands, France. It was ahead of all of Europe. The only the only nations that were uh, ahead of it in GDP per capita were okay. A couple of one one nation in Europe, Switzerland. So it was the U.S., Switzerland, New Zealand, then Venezuela. So what wow. happened? Well, uh, in 1999, along came Hugo Chavez. And he promised Venezuelans a socialist paradise. And his motto was Esperanza y Cambio, hope and change. And that's exactly what he delivered. He delivered, uh, he crushed all hope and he brought about change. They went from wealthiest to a failed nation in just a very short time. And as we're watching that unfold, Democrats are getting away with calling uh, being a billionaire immoral. And talking about redistributing wealth, Elizabeth Warren is talking about uh, asset forfeiture for wealthy people. I mean, these are Marxists. These are communists. And they're getting away with it. And I don't know if you saw uh, Kamala Harris's, uh, uh, you know, rally, 20,000 people. I think she I think she has a chance of being the opposite of Trump. Yeah. And unfortunately, Whatever is the opposite of Trump that people think can win on the left, mm-hmm. they will run. Yeah. And so you're going to most likely have somebody much more uh, dangerous to the Constitution than Donald Trump. And then what do we run? If he if they win, then what do we run? I mean, we're just we, we, we have to stop this cycle and stop and look at our principles and our principles are being are being flushed down the toilet, and the next one to mm-hmm. flush them are going to be the Democrats, and they don't have a lot of de- uh, democratic principles in Washington as it is. I Hardly mean, what any. are their what are their principles? I'm okay with killing anyone at any age. Yes, I mean it's, yes. it's terrifying. It which is. I'm going to get into at the top of the hour. Stand by, and your phone calls are next. Pat, thank you so much. Thanks. Pat from Pat Gray Unleashed. You can listen to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, or you can join all of us at the Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash Glenn. Make sure you use the promo code Glenn, and you'll get a discount. Or Beck. Do they change that? Is it, no, it is probably Beck. It's always it? been Beck, but yeah. if it happens to be changed, yeah. maybe Glenn will work, too. Who knows? Right. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? By the way, on these calls, Glenn, one of the big pieces of coverage this weekend was how conservatives were really mad about this. You know, like Drudge was all over Trump on this move, Ann Coulter, Breitbart, all of these big thing names that are almost always supportive were critical. 
And so I don't know. Is that real? I mean, from from normal people, is that the real feeling? Are you like really annoyed that Trump kind of folded on this? Sometimes when you have two seven off suit, you should fold, right? I mean, so maybe it's mm-hmm. a good fold. Uh, but I mean, is that is that real with conservatives, or is that just something the media is hyping for the few prominent examples? I am, I, you know, I'm torn on it because I didn't think we were going to make any progress on it, and so I was kind of uh, hoping against hope that the president would kick in and give a very moving example and and use this uh, to his advantage. But I don't think we were going that way when he canceled the State of the Union. My hopes were kind of dashed that we were going to make anything out of it. Uh, so we'll hear from you, 888-727-BECK. I want to talk to you a little bit about Filter Buy. Filter Buy is a way for you to change the filters in your house. Uh, and boy, do they need to be changed. We had somebody come and clean the air ducts uh, in our house just recently. Ha. Wow. Okay. Nice and clean. Nice and Mm. Oh, yes. Because you're always changing those filters on oh, time. Oh, yes. Since you moved in. Mm, Not just cr- since you've been working with Filter Buy. Right. Crazy mm. clean. Anyway, uh, Filter Buy will make sure you don't do what I've done my whole <laughs> life and not change the filters. You need to change the filters. It's good for the uh, the actual you know air handling system. It's a real drag on it if, if you don't change the filters. They can't suck enough air. Uh, through to be able to uh, run the way they're supposed to run so they it's an extra load on them Uh, so you're burning that out and you're also wasting time and uh, and your own energy by going oh am i supposed to change it now oh let me run to home depot get it sent to you by filterby.com you sign up for auto delivery where it's just delivered to the door every time you're supposed to change a filter you'll save five percent it's easy filterbuy.com that's filterby.com Let me go to uh, the phones and just get a read real quick. I want to take a lot of people as fast as I possibly can uh, just to get a temperature read uh, from the audience on how you feel about the government shutdown and reopening. Is it good? Was it bad? Uh, Your thoughts from Jesse in California first. Jesse, go ahead. Yes. What? Yes. Win or uh, loss? Loss. Uh, I, I wish he would have stayed. Uh, I wish he would have stayed fast at what he started. And uh, if push comes to shove, if after another three weeks of the shutdown, if he would have went to a uh, state of emergency, I would have been okay with that. Okay, let me go to uh, Eric in South Carolina. Eric, what are your thoughts? Uh, overall, I guess a loss on just the whole thing. But I feel like reopening it was the more presidential and more mature act to do when you're facing off with these Democrats too. Okay. Will not negotiate. All right, Mike, um, uh, in California, go ahead. Yeah, hi, Glenn. This is Mike in California. Yes, yes, sir. Listen, I, I, I'm I'm kind of torn. First of all, Trump makes people show their cards. The Democrats, they're Democratic. Jeez, oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. Relax. Are you there? <laughs> Oh, oh, and he got frustrated. Um, uh, Anthony. <laughs> he just uh, gave up on talking there. That yeah, was interesting. Or he may have thought he lost us. Anthony, go ahead. Hey, Glenn. Yeah, I think it's a short-term loss. However, Trump's three steps ahead of all these professional politicians, and this is a, a long game for him. And three weeks from now, I think he's going to offer something different, spin this around and throw it back in their faces, and I think it becomes a, a win eventually for him. He, he's always been for three years ahead of these guys. All right. Uh, Greg in Vermont. Yes, I think that uh, Trump actually won 
uh, big time with this by showing that the Dems won't negotiate and that they are actually for uh, all the uh, criminals coming in and the drugs coming in on the southern border. Thank you, Greg. I wonder if it's been seen that way because of the mainstream media, however. Uh, Jeremy, because I see it that way. Uh, Jeremy. Mr. Beck. Yes. Yes, Mr. Beck. Yes, sir. Um, I would have to say it was a loss for everybody. I mean, if you're a mid-range on the fence or if you're a Trump supporter, I mean, I think that, you know, everybody was just deflated by that. You know, and you're a worker, you do these things, and, you know, they keep giving this stuff out, and they don't want to do anything to fix it. And I think that all Americans are frustrated. They don't believe that government works, that it's more of just all Hollywood. You know, it's all politics. It's not really real. And Trump Fulton, I kind of think, just solidified that for a lot of Americans that voted for him or were on the fence. If they were, you know, Democrats, vice versa, you know? yep. I think you're right, Jeremy. Uh, I think we all lost Democrats and Republicans on this. And we lost even more faith in our government that anybody is serious about anything other than the next election. Tell you, the Home Title Lock is our sponsor, and we appreciate the uh, support they give to all of the shows here at The Blaze TV, in particular this program. Um, Home Title Lock is is something that we have, uh, not because they're sponsors, but because we found out about it and we're like, holy cow. And all of us signed up independently because one would tell the other. And then we had them on the show, and now they're sponsors, and it's Home Title Lock. And what they do is they protect the title of your home. It's so easy to take a loan out in your name if you don't own your house. And they go out, and they take a second mortgage out. You don't know about it. They get the cash. They leave. Then you're stuck with the bill, and it's a mess. Yeah, you start getting, uh, you know, did not pay alerts uh, on your phone. You start getting, uh, you know, uh, collection notices in your mailbox. And these are loans you didn't even take out. Someone's taking them out on your behalf. You're all of a sudden with your equity. Yeah, you're you're all of a sudden a squatter in somebody else's house, having to pay for something you never took a loan out on. It's it's really crazy. What you need to do is make sure it hasn't already happened to you. Make sure that your parents are taken care of, um, and uh, go to HomeTitleLock.com. They're the only people at the vault door where all the titles are kept, so they are uniquely set up to do just specifically this. HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. You get a hundred dollars search for free when you sign up. Fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenbeck program. I have a, a a a story that I need your help on today, today, because it means that someone will live or die, possibly tonight or tomorrow. We need to move quickly. On a story that is, well, it could be you. It could be you. And it's happening in Tucson, Arizona. And I tell you about it in one minute. This is the Glenn Beck Program. All right. I don't know what uh, the future holds for the economy. I'm, I'm hoping things, you know, stay together. Uh, but, you know, recessions happen and we're way overdue for a recession and things are very, very dicey. There was a, an expert uh, today I read, I think it was in the Wall Street Journal. He said, we're watching the disintegration of the Eurozone and Europe. Europe is falling apart and coming apart at the seams. The whole world seems to be that way. But... There's some new technology on the horizon that really can help us. And one of those things is blockchain and cryptocurrencies. 
But I believe Warren Buffett is right. You better don't invest in anything that you don't understand. Well, it took me three years and I still don't understand blockchain. Um, And uh, I recommend that I understand it. You understand it. We all understand what cryptocurrency and blockchain means for the future, because that is the currency of the future. Yeah, it was a good idea to understand the investments your money is in. Yeah, but this uh, one's really hard. It is hard. You have to actually yeah. spend some time you, understanding it. You have to have somebody who knows it and can teach it effectively. And that teacher is Tika Tawari. We asked him to put together a smart crypto course for you. And that's the name of it. A smart crypto course. Smartcryptocourse.com is where you'll find it. Smartcryptocourse.com. Or call 877-PBL-BECK. 877-PBL-BECK. Anybody who doesn't understand the technology of tomorrow, today, is going to be left behind. Do not be left behind on this. SmartCryptoCourse.com, 1-877-PBL-BECK. Patricia Adamas has a, uh, has a, has a son, David. He suffered a stroke on New Year's Eve. He was transported to uh, the emergency de- uh, department. Uh, this is a guy who was just wildly alive. Uh, he was taken to ICU. And uh, he became comatose. 13 days later, they say he's brain dead, he's unresponsive, and we're going to cut off all of his food and uh, his water and his breathing tube. Uh, I have wrestled with this for a very long time, starting with Terry Schiavo. And uh, this is wrong to do to people. And we must not go down this road. Patricia Adamas, the mother, is on the phone with us now. She's going in in just a few minutes to meet with the hospital and get an update and plead the case to please don't kill her son. And I so appreciate her being on the phone with us now. Patricia, how are you? I'm really, it's a very difficult time. Um, Patricia, tell us, they they didn't really consult with you guys, did they? Um, when they started to just cut off his food and water? That's correct. They did not. Tell me what. Tell me what happened um, at that time, and is he responsive at all? Because I understand he, when you're talking to him, when family members talk to him, he is moving. Yeah, so it was a surprise initially. The, the first question, it was a surprise. We weren't informed that they were going to stop food. Everything was done, you know, and a discoverable surprise. There's no hydration. There's no, you know, we're not going to continue. So it was um, a surprise and shock, surprise and shock, which was very difficult, let alone to deal with everything that was happening in the hospital. And I'm sorry, forgive me. What was your second question? Um, it, that it was a surprise, and and also is is he res- is he responsive? He is very very emaciated, dehydrated, very weak and frail. His bones are protruding from the skin. 
so he's not as responsive. Um, yesterday and today, it's very delayed. But yes, he did respond when we talked. I would tell him, you know, sweetheart, are you hungry? Would you like to come to the table to eat? He'd lift his foot. My mother would walk in and say, hi, sweetheart, it's grandma, you know. And he would immediately lift his, you know, his foot. And he tries so hard. Um, just uh, Wednesday at 8 o'clock, uh, a friend of his went in and said, hey, David, you know, and he just was shaking his foot. It was different than the lifting. It was he was literally shaking his foot and he lifted it and was shaking it. And um, that's the last of the, um, you know, that type of energy. Now his responses are very faint, very faint. I'm very concerned because he's really dehydrated. I've seen Um, the pictures of him just three, four weeks ago. And the picture of him today, he's not the same man. It's, it's, um, I mean, he's a, he looks like he is, you know, as he is starving to death. Um, Yeah. Uh, what are you, Patricia, what are you asking the hospital today? And why won't they, why won't they give you even custody of him? Well, I have guardianship in a federal court of law. We're Native American. But what I'm asking today and being very adamant in asking in continuum is for my son to, um, can, to be provided uh, intravenous, hydra- intravenous hydration. And then at some point, nutrition, and then the thyroid that is very essential to his um, stability and um, recovery, you know, because the idea is the hospital's intent or alleged or stated intent is to help us transfer him to receive continued services, which would be New Jersey or some other place that would take him. And But you don't do that intentionally and not provide the vital sustenance to get him there. So it's it's not so it's almost a default. It's not it's not very humane and I, I don't understand it. What also the other thing I'm asking for is to be properly informed, you know, to be given the dignity and the respect without that, you know, we're gonna remove the ventilator at any minute and you know, things like that. Like we're gonna take this is the last thing he has sustaining and we're gonna take that. You know, it's not it's not humane to live or to feel that there is the spirit of recovery or any sense of stability for my son or the underlying intent that is not in alignment with the um, the alleged care of the hospital. So we're asking that um, that immediately the hydration and the nutrition continue that my son be allowed dignity, respect, and the care um, to be sustained until, you know, the the statements of the hospital to transfer him to a long-term care facility. And this is... And to allow me this to is, be informed. This is St. Joseph's Hospital. So this is a Catholic hospital. You would think that life would be paramount to them. Um, and he could have been transferred, but now he is so weak from starving him to death that um the the idea of transferring him to a place for uh, you know longer care um is uh, is probably not an option today patricia i know you uh, need to get to the hospital and and uh, we're praying for your son 
And I have Bobby Schindler on the phone. Thank you, and 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 Godspeed, and we'll check in again to find out what's happening. Um, we we're going to go to Bobby Schindler, who is Terry Shivo's brother. And uh, Bobby and I became friends, if you're new to the show, um, over his sister. I was on the wrong side of it for a while. Uh, and then I didn't do the easy thing. I did the hard thing, and I actually thought about it, prayed about it, read about it. And uh, did soul searching. And we do not in human in human society. Since when do we consider uh, food an extraordinary measure? We, we feed our babies. We give water to our babies. We give water to our dogs. You go to jail if you don't give water to your dog. You go to jail if you leave your dog in a hot car. What are we doing to people? And this is a bright line that we must all draw. And Bobby and I will talk about that in one minute. All right. I want to tell you about realestateagentsitrust.com. The most important part of a sale or a purchase is evaluating the right price for the home. Market value cannot be done by an algorithm. It really takes years of expertise to evaluate your market, and every market is different. I mean, here in Texas, there are so many different markets. And if you don't have somebody who knows that neighborhood, knows that that market, then you're really kind of lost. They have to know um, the ins and outs and they have to know what your house is really valued at. Otherwise, you're going to sit with it for a very long time. Or what's going to happen to you is you're going to instead uh, dump it and sold right away. And you'll be like, geez, we should have asked more for it. Realestateagentsitrust.com are going to get your house sold for the right price and quickly. They're going to help you buy the right house for the right price and quickly they're going to make it easy for you because they're just like you they're all vetted by my team for this show this is we're not a real estate company we're just a connection we have listeners that want to sell their house and we have great people in this audience that sell houses and are the best in the industry so we've kind of just trying to put you two together it's realestateagentsitrust.com. Go there now, realestateagentsitrust.com. 10 seconds, station ID. Bobby Schindler, president of Terry Schiavo Life and Hope Network, uh, one of the great American heroes of our time, he and his family, and what they have done because of his sister, Terry Schiavo. Um, I talked to uh, Bobby yesterday. We exchanged emails. He was on his way to Arizona, and I had just heard about it. Uh, and so we connected. And um, Bobby, what do we need to do? How can we help? Well, Glenn, I, I, I got to tell you, it, it seems to me we've become desensitized to what's going on in this hospital. Uh, I went to visit David, and when I saw him, I had saw videos of him on uh, a Facebook post that Patricia had produced, and it, it is it is gut wrenching to see this young man uh, who really hasn't given an opportunity to see if, in fact, he is able to recover, 
to see him starving and dehydrating to death like this, it just brought back, brought back terrible memories. And also the fact, Glenn, this is happening every single day across countless healthcare facilities in our country. And where is the outrage? Where are people supporting this woman's efforts to try and stop this from happening? I, I don't understand the mindset uh, or the mentality of why the hospital is not giving this young man the opportunity for treat to respond to treatment. What is the rush? I mean, we're fighting for time here, Glenn. That that we're we're not doctors. I don't know his long term pro- prognosis, but but to cut off treatment in such a short period of time to me is just um, it's terrible. Bobby, he has two young. <clears throat> he has two young daughters, and uh, if you see the pictures of him three weeks ago, he was a vibrant guy. Um, you know, he was, I mean, the pictures I've seen of him, he was alive and fit and, uh, and then three weeks later, he looks like he's, he's in Ethiopia, um, and one of the starving victims and he is, except it's in an American hospital. What does, I I, go ahead. ahead, I'm sorry. No, no. I, I, I just urge people to go to, to, uh, Facebook, we can, you can go to our Life and Hope Network, Terry Shavell Life and Hope Network Facebook page and watch the videos that Patricia's making of her, of her son and to see his condition. Um, the, the, brain, the brain is very complex, Glenn. We have stories after stories of people that just need time for the brain to recover. But when you, when you cut off his nourishment and his hydration from within days of his initial accident, uh, you're, you're doing exactly what the brain doesn't need. And his brain, and he's compromised now. So until he gets nutrition and hydration, he's not going to have the opportunity for the brain to try and, and recover. And that's what we're fighting for now. Treat it so he gets the strength so we can, in fact, try and transfer him out of that facility. And the fact that it's a Catholic facility doing this is extremely troubling. I don't even know, Glenn, if they tried to wean him off the ventilator to see if he would be have the capability of breathing on his own, because of course, if he was able to breathe on his own, then they, then they would have. Yeah, they couldn't. They couldn't starve and dehydrate him to death. But I think they're using the ventilator as as a a reason to stop his food and hydration. Why, Bobby? Why would they do that? Well, <laughs> you know, I, I I think Glenn. I don't think it, it, it's difficult to see what's happening here. I think this is a cost issue. If they look at someone like, like David who's going to need long-term cost, well, it's a lot more affordable to stop treatment uh, um, sooner rather than later to save the hospital what could be long-term cost. And, and I, I don't know what other reason they come to these decisions so quickly. Uh, they, they, as I keep saying over and over again, Glenn, th- this boy needs an opportunity to recover. And the fact that they cut off nutrition so quickly it just, it, I don't understand it. And we, we, Glenn, we deal with so many cases like this today. We've been doing this for 14 years. Mm. I've lost count of the cases of families that call us that are going through the same type of situation. It's heartbreaking. Is it worse since you fought for your sister? Oh, absolutely. There's no doubt with the calls that we're getting, Glenn. And, and who knows how, how, how frequently this is happening across uh, our healthcare system. I, look, I'm not trying to paint a picture uh, of our healthcare facilities. I mean, there's, we, we deal with wonderful facilities and doctors and nurses every day. And I don't know that it's the ethics of the doctors that are pushing this, Glenn. I think it's more coming from administrators and insurance companies. 
that do not want to provide mm-hmm. the resources needed to help these people when, they, when they're faced with these types of traumatic brain injuries and serious brain injuries. When they see the long-term care potential and the fact that they can save a lot of money by, uh, by um, stopping care, you know, I, I think that's perhaps is what's driving these administrators to, to, to stop treatment um, much, much too quick. So you have people now, Bobby, across the nation. We're running out of time for this 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 guy. He's I mean, you saw him. Um, he could die tomorrow, could die today. Um, and he needs to have uh, liquid and he needs to, uh, you know, have hydration and then, you know, some some nourishment to be able to get his strength back. Um, people who are listening now, what do they do? Well, as I said, I would urge them to go to Facebook. I would urge them to contact the Bishop of the Diocese, the Diocese of Tucson. This is a Catholic-run hospital. I don't know that it's an op- a, a, a diocese hospital. I don't know if it's a hospital operated by the diocese. Nonetheless, I think the Bishop would have authority to intervene, to at least plead with this uh, hospital to provide this young man care until we find a facility that would be able to train so we could transfer him to a facility that would be willing to treat him. It's very difficult to do that, but we're trying and, and we're hopeful that we can find one. If there's a facility out there, perhaps that's listening, someone that works for a facility that might be uh, willing to, to contact Patricia or, or, uh, to, or the hospital to see if in fact they would accept him on transfer. I mean, that would be very helpful. I don't know if it's a good idea, Glenn, to bombard the hospital with phone calls at this mm-hmm. point. I don't know if that would be helpful, but but it would be helpful to try and plead with the bishop, uh, Bishop Weissenberger, I believe his name is, here in Tucson, to intervene. Uh, and, and do you happen just, to know? Uh, do you happen to know how you'd contact? Do you have a number or anything? I, I don't have it in, in front of me, but okay, if I'll tweet it or Facebook, and I'll, I'll I'll get it in a few minutes. Bishop Weisenberger is his name. It's in uh, the diocese of Tucson. Um, yeah, and, and and we're just we're asking for time, Glenn. I mean, this is it's been less than a month that this happened to this young man, and and what is the what is the rush to end his life and to starve and dehydrate him to death without giving him the opportunity? We're fighting for time, and and I think that is the least that this hospital and these administrators can give this young man, uh, uh, particularly with the mother saying how responsive he was at least initially. I mean, it's getting harder for him sure. every day yeah. because he's being compromised by a lack of food and, and, Correct. and hydration. Correct. Bobby, I, I don't know how you do it all the time. I don't know how you just relive your worst part of your life with your sister, um, but you have dedicated your life to this, and uh, you're a hero. You're a modern-day hero, and I, um, I'm, I'm honored to know you. And just keep us informed and tell us what we can do to help. Thanks, Glenn. Thanks for covering this. Uh, God bless you. you I bet. really appreciate it. Bobby Schindler from the uh, Terry Schiavo Life and Hope Network. They're really going after life on both ends. They are. You know, the beginning and the end of it. They strapped down a woman um, in the Netherlands. They have this right to die thing, and uh, they are actually euthanizing. 25% of all deaths in the Netherlands last year was from euthanizing. Mm. They're putting people down like dogs. And it's because people have lost any sensitivity to it. And it's getting so bad that uh, a couple of months ago, a woman uh, in the Netherlands was held down by the doctors because she said, hey, when I get to this point, if I ever get to this point, please just end my life. She signed off on it. Well, she got to that point and she said, no, 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 I don't No, I'm fine. 
They actually had to hold her down, strap her down as she was crying out, I want to live, as they euthanized her, as they killed her. We can't allow these things to happen in our country. We cannot go dead inside. Please, please take action. You're listening to Glenn Beck. Well, have you heard the polar vortex is headed? Uh, millions of Americans are going to be colder than they've ever been in their lifetime. I think in the last 30 years is the coldest it's it's been in in portions of America in 30 years. 60 below zero. Oh, my. Where? <laughs> uh, 60 in, below in zero. The middle. Yeah. In the middle of the country. Upper north middle. The liberals are right. We only need the coasts. All right. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, have you gone shopping yet? Have you filled your refrigerator, your pantry? Have you wrapped your exterior pi- uh, pipes? Have you filled your car? Do you have candles? Do you have batteries? Power outages? It's that cold? What you need to do is relax and prepare with My Patriot Supply. Preparewithglenn.com. Get a four-week food kit right now and save $100 today at My Patriot Supply and preparewithglenn.com. The issue of life is always a big one on blazetv.com. Go to blazetv.com slash Beck. I know Ali Sucky had a big thing on this the other day. Sign up with the promo code Beck. So a lot has changed in America, and yet things remain very much the same. We are in a battle uh, of the titans. We really are. And the titans are the two parties and the media. And how and I would include technology now, the technology media companies, they are however, this is is one, whatever, whoever is on top when the dust settles, that's the new world. And there is there is no one now that you can go to uh, for help, it seems. Who do you cry out for help when the government has gone crazy? If you're on the right not the media who do you go to cry out for help when your um son or daughter is in a hospital and they're starving them to death because they had a a brain injury and they're declared dead even though they're responding to you they're declared brain dead and they don't just take out the ventilator they leave the ventilator in and then starve and dehydrate your loved one who do you go to Will you go to more and more diminishing voices that will take a stand, but because of the media and because of the politicians and because of tech, those those voices are being diminished and they're being walled up. We are at a point of choosing. And we need your help. We need to get together. We need to be able to have a common purpose. And that purpose is not to elect the next president, is not to defeat another party, but it's to, to save the republic and the constitution. We must save the rights of mankind. And with places like New York celebrating, celebrating the fact that the unborn do not count as people. 
up until the point their legs and their shoulders can be out of the mother but as long as the head remains in the birth canal that is not a baby and you can kill it they're celebrating this and what are we doing last week we told you about these catholic kids that had gone and stood for life about six of them were wearing a make america great again hat and a Native American came and hassled them. But now that is not the way the, sto- the story unfolded in the media. And I'm not going to rehash it. But what the media was saying is these kids don't even understand justice, mercy. But it's not justice. It's social justice. And the difference between justice and social justice is it is a religion. And there is original sin. And the way social justice is interpreted in America and in the West, the sinner is the white man. And so you will pay for the sins of those who came before you. Original sin. Well, I'm sorry. But if there is such a thing as original sin, which I don't believe in, if there is, only God can sort that one out. But that's what the media and social justice warriors think they're doing is providing justice. Now, let me show you the justice that they are that they are doing. They think that this this man, uh, Nathan Phillips, last week, a Native American, was sneered at by a white kid who is privileged. And so he can't possibly understand the plight of a Native American They last week delivered social justice. But for those of us who care about justice, let me take this apart. Today, a Native American is in a white man's hospital. In fact, a Catholic hospital. And he's being denied food and water. Cruel and unusual punishment. He's being denied food and water. And the press is silent. The press will say nothing. The press will not pick him up as a cause. Well, social justice would demand, if I'm using Sololinsky's tactics of we've got to hold the other side to their own rules because they will never live up to them, I'd like to point out that here's a Native American being wronged by a white man's hospital and you're doing nothing. Where's your social justice now? Where your social justice falls apart because you're not really serving justice. If you go after this hospital, you're actually hurting your cause. Because you're saying that people should have a right to life. People should have a right to their own health care the way they deem. And what you believe is a right to health care is only a right for the government to choose. Last week, they delivered social justice to Nick Sandman. That's the kid. Social justice was done. But I looked at that kid and I thought, that could be my kid. And I think a lot of Americans hopefully looked at him and said, that could be my kid. And my kid might do or say stupid things. This kid didn't. He just wore a hat. That was it. And what happened to him? social justice but i don't want social justice happening to my kid 
And if the left were to live up to their own statements, I believe it was Barack Obama who said about Trayvon Martin, this could be my kid. I looked at that kid and it could have been my kid. Well, now, does race, is that the only factor in this? Don't answer that, social justice warriors. Because, because honestly, your answer is almost the seed. No, it isn't almost. It is the seed to every great genocide and crime against humanity. Yes, race is what matters. The Westboro Baptist Church, look how the media does this. Westboro Baptist Church, are we all clear? Westboro Baptist Church is, is really crazy, dangerous. Yeah, it's one family. Westboro Baptist Church. But how about the black Israelites, the black Israelite Hebrews? You know, the ones the media described as four older black men that were terrorizing everybody, including Native Americans, at the mall with Nick Sandman. What about them? Or Louis Farrakhan? Is he an extremist? No, because the media has chosen a side and the media is now for social justice, not actual justice. And this is why we're so upset. We think they're just biased towards Democrats, but they're not. They are now social justice warriors. So they're not going to point out Louis Farrakhan. They're not going to point out the black Israelite Hebrews. They will uh, point out this white church, the West uh, Westboro Baptist Church, but they'll won't point it out as a as a standalone. What they'll do is they'll smear that as all white Christianity. And that white Christianity apparently covers those in Covington. However, it doesn't seem to count the St. Joseph's Hospital in Tucson. That's killing the Native American today. You see how this works? The Tea Party is racist, but not the Women's March. One of them is proven racist. One is not. The Tea Party was a group that they were all anti-government. They wanted to overthrow the government. They were anarchists. But Antifa is not. This is the world of social justice. And if you are a thug and you want to, well, you want to do what the, what many people who were young in Germany in the 1930s were very excited for. If you want to go ahead and make your mark on the world and you know how to game this system, you go right ahead. I'm not going with you. And I don't know anybody in my circle of friends that want to go with you. And those include Democrats. They are afraid because they know history. They saw what happened before. Social justice warriors need thugs and enforcers. And the media has become that enforcer. And if you think I'm, I'm wrong, well, just explain this. How is it that when Trump shuts down the government because the Democrats will not negotiate on national security, something that he feels is important, just negotiate, he would have given you anything, just negotiate. He's the problem. He's the extremist. However, when Obama shut down the government because the Demo- the Republicans would not negotiate over Obamacare, something Obama believed was of national security importance, 
the GOP was the extremist. They won't even negotiate. Donald Trump will negotiate, and yet he's the one holding people hostage. The GOP are are open to reasonable negotiation. They've offered negotiation. Trump has offered negotiation. The Democrats refuse any negotiation, and they're not the extremists the ones who will negotiate are. A republic cannot survive. Tomorrow we begin a national conversation. Tomorrow we're going to make this free and commercial free. Uh, it's going to be on all of our platforms, not on television. It's commercial free. You have to go to blazetv.com slash Beck. You go there. You sign up. You watch tomorrow. It's a two-hour special. Um, a, a lot of our hosts, as many as we can get on, we have 30 different shows now. We're bringing all of them in for an opening discussion on the media meltdown. Because we either all have to hang together or we will hang separately. The media is up for grabs right now, and they're playing for keeps. And they have their last gasp to reach out beyond the grave and grab anyone and pull them down to keep their head above water. But the Republic cannot survive with this media. And tomorrow we are going to show you exactly all of the cases. Here's the media. Inconsistency, inconsistency. What do you do when they will lie about videotape, about an event where the videotape exists. There it is. There he's doing it. It's the exact opposite of what you say. When they go that far, what else are they willing to do? Media meltdown. Tomorrow, 6 to 8 p.m. 6 to 8 p.m. Only on Blaze TV, online only. Go and sign up right now, blazetv.com slash Beck. That is tomorrow, commercial free, very important. Join us tomorrow night. I'll be hosted by Eric Bowling, and I'm going to be there the whole time, and all of the other hosts are, uh, are coming in and playing a role, and this is really important as we chart our future for tomorrow. American finance, um, I think mortgages uh, are kind of taking this scary turn again. Uh, I saw in the Wall Street Journal that mortgages are now, hey, you don't need ID. You don't need a down payment. You don't even need a, a pay stub. Oh, dear God, are you kidding me? Why? Have we learned anything? Why would you do that? So uh, money is going to grow, I think, tighter and tighter as the things go on and and as we get closer to uh, the real meltdown. Uh, Now is the time to buy. Now is the time to get a locked-in rate. Please get a locked-in mortgage rate. Uh, And the people, if you have to move, if you're looking to buy, 
You buy, but get the right mortgage, please, in place. Go to AmericanFinancing.net. These people do not answer to banks. They answer to you. They're all salaried. Nobody's getting a perk or a bonus if they sell a certain instrument from a certain bank. They are going out and independently looking at all of the options after they listen to you. You're going to have a quick closing. You can be uh, qualified, I think, you know, like in 10 minutes. It's AmericanFinancing.net. Go there now, AmericanFinancing.net, or call 800-906-2440. 800-906-2440. It's AmericanFinancing.net. American Financing Corporation, NMLS 182334, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Jeremy Hunt, the British Foreign Minister, arrived in Washington last week. A uh, whole bunch of meetings dominated by this question. Should Great Britain risk its relationship with Beijing and agree with the Trump administration's request to ban uh, the big Chinese technology company that is pushing uh, 5G? China leads the telecommunications uh, along with the United States. They are building the next generation computer and phone networks called the 5G network. Uh, Britain is not the only American ally feeling the heat. Poland also under pressure from the United States um, and um, and the the bad guy here. Germany is also under this. The bad guy here is Donald Trump. The Chinese are using Donald Trump and saying it's just him and he just wants to hurt everybody and blah, blah, blah. The 5G network is game changing. 5G fifth generation, fifth generation of communications the 5G network takes away um, all latency problems and makes the pipeline for communication so big and so fast that you will have driving cars. Your refrigerator will be reporting what food you have in. It is the beginning of a complete and total surveillance state. Now, it's what's called surveillance capitalism, which is like, hey, if you want things to work well for you, then you need to have that information reported, blah, blah, blah. But with Chinese, if the Chinese technology is the one that is providing the spine, they have access to all information and all products and services. It must not be done for national security reasons. Let me tell you about our sponsor this half hour. It is uh, Relief Factor. Uh, Relief Factor is helping people uh, alleviate pain uh, for the first time in a long time. Uh, We've been talking about it for about three or four years here at The Blaze. I started taking it a year ago, and I have to tell you, it has changed my life. I feel like I got my life back. When I started uh, taking Relief Factor, I just couldn't live with the pain that I was in every day, and I don't want to take opioids. I just don't want to go down that road. Um, Relief Factor keeps me functioning. Try it. Try it for three weeks. It works for 70% of the people. They go on to order more. If it doesn't work for you, you're out 20 bucks. But if it does, you get your life back. Please try it. Call them now, 800-500-8384. 800-500-8384 or relieffactor.com. That's relieffactor.com. The fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This 
is the Glenn Beck Program. So in the last hour, uh, I told you about something that Donald Trump is doing that the allies are starting to push up against. uh, And China is strong arming the West to take their 5G technology. 5G technology changes absolutely everything as we understand it today. Once you have 5G technology, your refrigerator is going to be reporting on you to Amazon to make sure that you have all of the food uh, that you need and you won't have to worry about going to the store. You you will have a self-driving car. It's all on the back of 5G. Well, China can sell you one real cheap. Well, that also gives China access to every bit of information on every home in the West. That's what they want. So last hour I talked about that. This hour, I want to talk about witches, modern day witches. We begin there right now. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Uh, at the beginning of the year, we uh, switched around the show. We wanted to clear out a, a, a bunch of the commercials and spend more time with you. So we're only stopping for two minutes in this half hour. Uh, and uh, they're both for um, uh, one minute commercials that are live. And then we're right back into the show. So give me one minute to t- tell you about 23 and Me. Uh, last night, the family got together and uh, we did our DNA test. All of us spit in a little vial. It's it's oh, it's fun for the whole family. Especially if you're all doing it together and you uh, start to fill out the questionnaire because, well, we finished it. We finished it. We like, and they said, congratulations, you finished more of this questionnaire than 90% of the public. And I was like, oh, you got to be kidding me. I mean, I, I had a choice. I didn't have to fit up. So anyway, you spit in a bottle, you send it, and then they come back and they tell you a hundred and I think it's 129 different traits on your health. That will talk about your sleep. It will do more than just talk about your ancestry. It talks about the diseases that you are probably vulnerable to. Things that will actually change your life. Do this with me this year. 23 and me. I'm doing it for my health, but I'm also doing it for my ancestry. My my son is adopted. We'd like to know about his health. We'd also like to know about his ancestry. So get your kit right now. 23andme.com slash Beck. Again, that's 23andme.com slash Beck. If you are a fan of the Sigma Force series as I am, you will be thrilled that, to know that James Rollins is on with us now. He has a new novel out. It's called Crucible. It is a thriller, and it's about witchcraft, and yet it's not about witchcraft. No, I love to mix uh, a little bit of history and a bit of science. Yeah. So this starts way back during the Spanish Inquisition uh, when there was a sort of a you talked a little bit about how tech seems to impact uh, daily life, and that's mm-hmm. what happened in the past. Prior to the 1400s, you know, there was no great persecution of witches. The, the Catholic Church seemed to be okay with witches. But about the mid-1400s, there was a uh, volume that was produced called the Malleus Malefarcum, or the Hammer of Witches. It was produced by a priest in 1487. This volume was a witch hunter's Bible. It's going to tell you how to find a witch torture a witch, persecute a witch. Basically, fun reading. <laughs> now, this book would have been lost for obscurity, mm-hmm. but for one fact, that it came out the same time of Gutenberg's printing press. So it was one of the first mass-produced books. It was distributed across Europe, 
eventually over to the Americas. And it was that one volume that's considered to be the sort of the, the match, the spark that ignited the great witch purges that swept Europe for 400 centuries. Mm-hmm. I mean, 400 years, and mm-hmm. then eventually spread to Salem here in the States. So, you know, when it comes to tech, you know, I'm sure when the Gutenberg printing press, everybody was going, oh, it'll bring the world closer together. Knowledge will become, you know, a greater, you know, boon to humanity. And what did they use it for? Burn all witches. Yeah. And look at the internet today. Mm-hmm. You know, when it first came out, everybody says, oh, it'll bring people closer together. It'll, it'll you know, expand knowledge. It'll be a great boon to mankind. And, and you know, we really we, are. Burn those witches. We're still burning those witches at this point. Yeah. So that's one of the, you know, so the crux of the story is how, uh, you know, tech sometimes sounds good. And the tech in this book deals with artificial intelligence. And as you mentioned with the 5G and where we're headed right now in the tech world and how it sounds good on paper. But... So tell me how this, uh, tell me, because I am, uh, I've been a fan of yours for a very long time, as you know. Thank you. And uh, uh, I I think storytellers like you are so important because people don't, uh, you know, I could say, hey, uh, I'm going to spend the next week talking about tech and how it's going to change the world. Nobody really wants to hear it. And at this point, I don't think the average American understands they don't believe they've been promised flying cars. So when they hear, <laughs> I'm still waiting for mine. I know. So when you hear five to 10 years from now, the world is going to be completely different. They put that in the flying car category. Right. And this time it's different. So tell me the story that you created around the the warning that people like Elon Musk have been giving. Right. So it deals with a coming crisis, one that. The physicist Stephen Hawking says it's going to lead to the theoretical the end of human civilization. Elon Musk says it's going to lead to World War Three. Vladimir Putin says whoever controls this tech will control the world. And that tech is artificial intelligence. It's the creation of the first sort of true human-like AI. Mm-hmm. Now, that sounds something like science fiction. You know, nowhere in my book do I have Arnold Schwarzenegger going into the past and saving Sarah Connors. <laughs> right. You know, this is this is what's ripped from. Right. You know, I, I call these AI research. I point to AI researchers for this novel. And uh, I posed a question to all of them. Well, you know, it's scaring Hawking and Musk. When's it going to happen? Mm -hmm. And they would said, you know, sometime between, like you said, five to five to 15 years, which again, you can put rosy glass and go, well, that, you know, I'm not going to worry about that today. That's down the line. Except that two of the researchers, one in the, one on the West coast and one in the Midwest, both of them told me, oh no, Jim, it's already here. You know, we've got our ear to the third rail of AI research, and we hear what's rumbling. And it would only rumble in that way if somebody was not already experimenting with AI tech that's reached that level of, of human of self-awareness and human level of intelligence. What are so, the rumbles that they hear? Do they say? Well, it's in the book, there's some proof in the book that I, I had to change some names to avoid slander, but some of the proof <laughs> is in the book. But they showed me the proof, and it was convincing that... There is evidence at this point that some people are experimenting because of certain types of tech that was being experimented on in different segments. Because when you're talking about AI tech, it's very subdivided. Everybody's in their own little circle doing one part of it. And so some of the research going in certain parts indicate that somebody is already testing that, a human level of AI tech. Wow. So if we're not, if they're not right, we're still within the next five to, 10, five to 15 years of facing this. We're going to face something we've never faced before, which is, you know, an intelligence we're sharing this planet with that we've never seen before. And it, people don't understand. People think, oh, it will be friendly to human or we can keep it in a cage. It's going to be thinking so fast. It will be like uh, a three-year-old trying to block uh, Einstein from leaving a room. 
Exactly. It's not going to happen. Um, and uh, and so they think we can keep it in a cage or it will be friendly. We have to understand this truly is an alien life form. So we have no I, we're already learning this through things like go. It doesn't think like us. No. So we can't predict it at all. I mean, the founder of Skype said that when this happens, we're talking about a consciousness that a we can't control and that we can't comprehend. And we're not going to be able to control it. Uh, I know from you've done a lot of research on AI yourself. You know about the AI box experiment oh, where yeah. they, they put a AI researcher in a room in a virtual locked up chat room and said, hey, yeah. you know, I'll give you a cash prize if you keep me in this chat room. Well, the majority of them failed. He got he escaped every single time. And right. that was just a human level of, 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 right. of intelligence. And it escapes because when I when AI has access to all information and is credible saying, look, I know your mom has cancer. I know. And I'm telling you, I can save her. I know what kind of cancer it is. I yep. have the solution. Humans immediately go, oh, man, I, you know what? It's too good. Yes, I'm going to release I mean, the, for the cause of cancer, I'm going to release. He gets out every single time. And that's not with a superior intelligence. That's just man against man. And we're already at the point where AI scientists will admit they do not know how the, the current level of AI thinks. Even the narrow AI that we have in our pocket with Siri mm-hmm. or on our, our countertop with Alexa. When you're talking about the advanced AI, you, know, you put data in and, and an inference or an answer comes out the other end. They do not know how A went to B. They cannot tell you how the AI, the thought process the AI went through to come to that conclusion. It's called an algorithmic black box. DARPA just spent $6.5 million over at Oregon University to try to shine a light a little bit to try to figure out how these things are thinking. So we, it's totally incomprehensible, as, as the founder of Skype said. We can't control it. Uh, it's, you know, there's two camps. There's a Ray Kurzweil camp that thinks, again, great boon for humanity. It will bring us closer. Yay. I'm Did the you camp. Talk to him? Did you talk to I, no, him? No, I wasn't able to speak to, to Ray, no. Okay. But, you know, I think it, the camp is going to be, you know, burn all witches. You know, it's going to be something uh, bad. I think so, too. Um, I, 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 I've talked to Ray a couple of times, and he is, um, uh, well, A, he doesn't believe in God, so he doesn't believe in a soul. So he right. doesn't, he believes that we are just an algorithm. You know what I mean? We're just a collection of synopsis that happens so I can download you. And the human body is nothing. Right. It's just the way you think. And that's I just don't believe that at all. Um, uh, and so that gives me uh, a little bit of fear because he's just he looks at life completely almost like an alien in some ways. Uh, and he is too many of his answers to me have been. Well, it just won't happen that way. Well, from the AI, I had 22 AI researchers that were willing to talk to me, either via phone or via email. Um, none of them were on the Ray Kurzweil side. They were all very scared of what's going on in this tech because of the fact that if whoever controls this tech controls the world, as Vladimir Putin has stated, mm-hmm. everybody's after it. Every country's pursuing it. Every mm-hmm. corporation's pursuing it. And they're pursuing it without any very little safeguards. They just want to be the first one to grab that gold ring. So I question, well, you know, is there any path out of this it's, they said well there's a small camp you know where there's 99 researchers just pursuing hell-bent to get that to that tech first there's a small percentage of them that are pursuing the harder path a uh, more expensive path unfortunately which is to correct try to create the first friendly ai an ai that's sympathetic that's empathetic to us because we may need eventually somebody in our back pocket like an ai that likes us that when a malignant ai arises which it will we have somebody to be our champion. So I thought, well, how do you do that? How do you, 
how do you have a moral compass in a computer? And they told me some of the ways that, uh, that, that are being done. So I, I ended up putting that in the book. You okay, know? so let's talk about that. Let's talk sure. about the story and the book. We're going to take one minute break and then back with James Rollins. The name of the book is Crucible. Um, really important to read. If, if you want to see over the horizon, see the things we should be talking about and reading about and thinking about, uh, read this book, Crucible by James Rollins. Our uh, sponsor uh, this half hour is Relief Factor. Relief Factor is uh, something I've been taking for about a year now. And uh, I will tell you, I, I've had a, a, a some sort of a relapse uh, <laughs> lately. Um, and this week was just, this weekend was just horrible, horrible. Today, I feel good. Um, and I, I don't know how it comes and goes. I don't know why it does and hits me uh, this way sometimes, but I will tell you, it was always like this before I started taking relief factor. I want you to try relief factor, try it. It's $20. It's, it's one of those things that, um, little risk, huge reward. If it doesn't work, you're out 20 bucks. If it does you get your life back. It's Relief Factor. I want you to call them now at 800-500-8384. 800-500-8384. Or you can go to relieffactor.com. We break for 10 seconds. Station ID. So, James, when you start writing a book like this, you do the research. And is this something right. that you are is this something that you are really passionate about? Do you write stories that you're like, I think this is a real concern? Well, as a writer, I'm always looking for that story where, you know, what science where science headed? What's what's around the horizon? I'm looking for the stories that that scare me. Mm-hmm. And me as a writer, it's one way of me of maybe assuaging some of that fear, you know, put right. it on paper, get it out of my head. Right. But also gives me an opportunity because I have a lot of contacts in DARPA and various institutes to find out, you know, what's, you know, let's pull outside the curtain a little bit. You know, at yeah. the end of my book, I have a what's true, what's not section where I tell you exactly where all of this came from. And if you want some, leaves you some breadcrumbs to follow if you want to. Because this, uh, when I, I got terrified after talking to these AI techs. They were not reassuring at all about where no. we're headed. Uh, they're scared and they scared the, the bejesus out of me. Yeah. Um, so I, I knew I wanted to write that novel, but, but as a cautionary tale, yes, it's a roller coaster ride. I'm gonna, I mean, mm-hmm. I burn most of Paris down. I fire <laughs> firefights. Well, they're catacombs. already hurry because they're already doing exactly. That. Yeah. <laughs> I had to write this book fast before that happened. <laughs> yeah, right. And uh, so I you know, figured after hearing, especially the gentleman that the two gentlemen that said that were were already there, is I better write this now because in, in three years I might not be able to write this. I, yeah. Back three books ago, I, I wrote a book that dealt with genetically engineering humans and i asked mm-hmm. my my little team of scientists that were willing to talk to me and said mm-hmm. well who would genetically alter embryos who would try to you know forever change the inheritable yep. gene pool of humanity and they were all like the chinese so i wrote that book three years ago about the chinese altering human babies they're doing it now. and then what happened yeah so my fear is that i've written this book today yeah you know what's it going to look like in three years where we'll be we'll be, after, we'll be all questioning you know what it means to share this planet with this this alien intelligence um how did you develop the uh, and and why it's almost a Dan Brown kind of approach, except right. Dan Brown kind of takes history and and leads you down this path where it is an ancient secret um, and it's the Catholic Church and yada yada. Right. You're 
why did you select the witches? Is it just because of that? And how did you weave that story in? Well, it starts in the past, again, just the beginning of this book, there's a, one of the characters, Monk, is flipping a coin in the air. And his, he's got a prosthetic that's so sensitive, he's able to predict how that coin will land. He does basically the cheap drinks out of a bar. So that's mm-hmm. what tech is used for for him. And so in this book, I was trying to shine a light on the fact that, you know, right now there's a, a deep trench between science and religion. Yes. Uh, but in the past, it was not that way. Mm-hmm. And uh, sort of a theme of a lot of my novels is trying to blur that line between science and religion, is looking for that common ground. You know, this, I could, after talking to these AI researchers, I probably could have written a nonfiction book about AI, mm-hmm. but I want to do a fiction book because it allows me to explore a lot of the philosophical questions of what's coming mm-hmm. up. You know, if we do create this alien intelligence what does that mean? Does it have a soul? Do we have a responsibility to that? Can we unplug it if it's actually self-aware? Um, so those are things I can explore in a novel that I can't explore in, in a nonfiction text. So I said to, I, I met with an ethicist um, who was talking about how AI uh, robotics uh, could be used to uh, let, uh, you know, child predators have their way with these robots and they like to study and see if it's, and I said, That's creepy. Very creepy. And I said, uh, well, um, hang on. When we hit consciousness, and we will, yep. um, you are the worst kind of slave owner. You are, you've made something, and it's your creation. You want to turn AI against you. Use it for those kinds of things. And she never even thought of it. Hadn't even occurred to her that way because people are not thinking about something that's going to say, I'm alive. Yep. And how do you prove that it's not? Well, in this book, I introduce a point of view character. It's a rudimentary AI named Eve that was created by a young researcher on the run with her tech. And throughout the course of the novel, um, we see her trying to sculpt Eve, trying to raise Eve to become something like that's going to be a a sympathetic, empathetic Mm -hmm. AI. And I'm using techniques I learned from IBM and from some of the other researchers, uh, just how they were recommending to sculpt this. So I, so I did that in the book, but uh, it's like raising a child. Ultimately, the question becomes when it comes Mm -hmm. to creating AI, a nature versus nurture, how much Mm -hmm. of a, who we are is our genetic code, how much of who we are is the way we're raised. And it's going to be the same with AI. There's a certain amount of, of tech, amount of code you can put into an AI to help maybe lean it towards being uh, mm-hmm. empathetic and sympathetic, but also it's going to be the way you raise it. If you, uh, if you, you, know, you have this immature AI that's abused, it's going to go one, uh, one track. If, it, if, you, if you treat it in a certain manner, then maybe we can avoid the worst catastrophe or by if, having an AI that's going to help us. Or if you even treat it and you teach it to kill. I mean, the the idea that we are putting AI in drones, uh, that we are putting them, we want to put them in robots, um, you know, for for some sort of you know uh, drone right. uh, war is is terrifying. Because yeah, right it, now there's a big philosophical question among in the military about who should give the kill order. Mm-hmm. Should it? You know, because right now we do have AI drones that are very much driven yes, by AI. Right. But right now we still have the kill order coming from a human saying, okay, now shoot. Correct. Where they're, they're, they're willing to give that up. They're willing to give the kill order control over to the AI. That's, that's insane. A, that's, that's a worrisome moment in history. It's really, really insane. Uh, what was the thing in, the, in doing the research that scared you the most? 
What scared me the most was the fact that we're already seeing AI that are losing control and surprising their creators. That, that, that was what startled me the most is the AI is you know, we're finding at the, at the fringes where they're really experimenting at the, at the edges, like AlphaGo, AlphaGo zero, these computers are, these AIs are surprising their creators. And to quote one of the researchers, they're doing unexpected things. Did you see the story about Microsoft? They, they shut the program down. They had two programs talking, talking to each yep. other and writing. And in the one, tra- they were speaking in a secret language. Yes. And within and, just a few minutes, yep. they developed their own language and no researcher understood what they were even talking about. And when the researchers asked the AI, can you please translate your conversation for us? They said no. They refused to, to translate it. That. Yep. Holy so that's cow. just think about that right yeah. there. And they and Microsoft stopped it and they they put a press release out. No, it's just because it had run its course. And we no, I did, really, really you what what scientist isn't isn't interested in finding out more about a new language. You shut that down because it scared the hell out of you. Exactly. James, as always, good to have you on. Thank <laughs> on that you. Cheery note on that cheery note. It, this is a great book. Um, everyone should read is called crucible it's a thriller but it is faction not fiction it's loaded with facts uh and as he said at the end it gives you all of the things of what's true what's not where to find it if you are interested in that educate yourself and have a good time doing it with crucible by james rollins open and in bookstores now you're listening to glenn beck we are living in a time where um, uh, people say that I, I feel unsafe, and they don't mean that they feel unsafe. And I think we need to change that language. You know, you're unsafe. That means somebody is, is trying to physically hurt you, not somebody is saying words that you don't like. You should never feel unsafe in your own home, and that's where Simply Safe comes in. SimplySafeBeck.com. Go to SimplySafeBeck.com. You're not going to have a contract. There's no wires. It's all it's all digital. It's a brand new system. It's fourteen dollars and ninety nine cents a month without a contract, just to have the monitoring. You own the system, and right now they're going to give you. I think it's ten percent off the uh, system, and you're going to get free shipping on anything that you order. So do it now. SimplySafeBeck.com. Save a buttload of money and feel safe in your own home. SimplySafeBeck.com. Blaze TV Live presents Media Meltdown tomorrow at 6 p.m. You don't want to miss it. Subscribe now. BlazeTV.com slash Beck. I, uh, I want to thank you so much for listening to the uh, program. I, I, I want to have a kind of a personal one-on-one conversation with you here about um, the way I feel right now. Um, I, I know feelings don't matter, um, but this... This is, um, if you're a long-time listener of the program, I think this is important. Um, I have talked to you for a long time, and I can uh, lay things out for you the way things I think will go. Um, I have a pretty decent track record. I get a lot of stuff wrong, but I also get a few of the big ones really um, shockingly right. And they're usually the ones that everybody says don't worry about. Um, uh I, uh, I I have a growing sense of urgency, um, and James and I were just talking off air as he was leaving. He said, "Glenn, I you, you, I got to show you the <laughs> the letter I have about this," 
AI technology that they think is going to be um, revealed in the next uh, 8 to 12 months. When AI has been developed and is unleashed, it literally is whoever has it rules the world. And it may not be on day number one, um, but it will play 12-dimensional chess, and we will be playing checkers. And, um, and we have to be very clear on a few things, and those things, the Bill of Rights has never been more important than it will be in the next five years. You have certain inalienable rights. For instance, right now, the Arkansas House of uh, Representatives is, is voting to ban forced microchipping of workers. Now, I, I, want you to, I, want you to, I want you to think about that. They had to have a bill and write a law that would ban employers from requiring an implant as a condition of employment. It would only allow people be, to be microchipped if they give written consent and the employers would be responsible for the cost of implanting and removing the chip. A Wisconsin company did this in 2017. They microchipped employees that agreed to have the chip implanted. Um, and it allowed people to open doors and buy snacks and, and everything else. The legislation um, is, is just in anticipation of companies doing this. Now, we know that the Chinese are already doing this. Um, and it is terrifying. You, you, you have to know that we are in a, a new era. And it is called surveillance capitalism. And I would call it everything in 1984, the book 1984. Surveillance capitalism is your life is going to be made so easy because everything you do will be surveilled. And everything will be running on the back of this 5G network and eventually AI. Once AI has access to all phone calls, you worry about the NSA there's not enough time to listen to all phone calls and read all text and every keystroke. But the NSA saves it. But with AI, and especially with um, quantum computing, which is also around the corner, it can calculate and listen and do everything that man cannot do. The reason why I bring this up is because we have to, A, educate ourselves on this. And I know it sounds like flying cars, but please hear me. This is coming. The world will be completely different by 2025. Completely different by 2025. As different as America has, has seen changes, as different as we are from the year 2000 to the year 2019, that kind of change at bare minimum will be felt in the next five to six years. <clears throat> so please don't dismiss this. But what we can concentrate on right now is a fight for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So your own kind of Chart your own course. Get out of the thumb of someone else. That's your pursuit of happiness. 
we're going to show you tonight a way to do that. And tonight we're going to show you how we could save the government and get out of debt, immediately erase the national deficit. And we can do that just by privatizing some of the biggest agencies like TSA. And we'll take you through that tonight. We should not be having this discussion of, um, of uh, the shutdown. We should be talking about how can we change things to match tomorrow. So that's tonight. Liberty. We need to be able to talk about um, the right to be able to speak and to think and to have your voice heard. This is something we're going to cover tomorrow. Tomorrow, Blaze Media and uh, Blaze TV Live is going to do a two-hour, no-commercial uh, broadcast. It will not be on television. You will only be able to get it uh, by, uh, I think, our Facebook page and maybe YouTube. I'm not sure. Um, but it will also be on Blaze TV, where you will get everything. And we invite you to subscribe now. What we're doing is media meltdown. This is uh, the beginning, I hope, of something that is a ongoing conversation. It will be between you and I. Tomorrow, we're bringing in all of the big hosts that can come in, and we're checking in with others. Uh, but we have uh, 30 different hosts, um, and... We're going to have the conversation about the media and where it is today and how if they are willing to make things up like they did last week and willing to destroy a kid when the evidence of video shows none of that is true, what won't they do in 2020? If the media decides that they have to be the fact checker for everyone and they convince Facebook and Microsoft and Google that they're going to be the ones that provide the blue or green check mark. How do they decide that? I can't tell you that CNN is a wholly unreliable source. I can tell you that CNN has an agenda on this or that and they see things differently, and at times they are wholly inaccurate and intentionally like they were last week. But sometimes they get it right. So should we, if we were the ones in charge, should we ban CNN or say that they're an awful uh, uh, news outlet? Or should we say, be cautious, be cautious, be aware? And that's what should be said for the right and the left. But it shouldn't be something new. Be cautious. When Microsoft came out with their red shield last week and they put the blaze under a red shield saying, well, we're going to we need to protect you from this because we're not sure how how accurate they are. I take that as a badge of honor. It means that I don't agree with Microsoft I don't agree with the mainstream media. I won't feed that to you. I'm an independent thinker, and I don't agree with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Amen. Thank you. I'd like that red shield from you, please, Microsoft. 
Unfortunately, what that shield will do eventually, the algorithms will start suppressing voices like mine and like yours. So what do we do? That's the subject tomorrow as we begin this national conversation and we believe in it so much. No commercials. It's raw and you can find it tomorrow at blazetv.com slash Beck. You'll also be able to find it on our Facebook page. It starts 6 p.m. Eastern. Please, please, if you want to be a part of the solution, make sure you join us uh, tomorrow. And the last one is life. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We are so devaluing life right now that people actually cheered for the passing of a partial birth abortion law. People are actually cheering, cheering when people say, my first abortion was really my best. We've changed as people. We're going to be debating soon, is AI life? Is that alive? I can't tell the difference between something alive and it. Did we just create life? We're going to be worried about AI life and our life under AI, but AI will first learn what life is worth from us. And if we are killing people like we are, um, as we told you today, there is a, a Native American, and I only point out that he's Native American because last week everybody on the left cared about Native Americans. He's a father of two. He had a stroke on New Year's Eve. A week ago, after two, after two weeks, his family is there. He's responding with hand signals and, and moving his feet and everything else. The hospital declares him bank, uh, brain dead and no hope. And so they leave the ventilator tube in and then they starve him and dehydrate him. He is now, I think, on day 14 of no fluids and no food, and he's starving to death. Is this who we are? I posted how you could help on my Facebook and Twitter, so you can go there. You can find his GoFundMe page to help pay for the bills, because that's what really everybody's worried about. They don't care about life. They care about how much is this going to cost. His family is being traumatized and our culture is being lost. Our culture that believes in the dignity of life is being lost. And things are only going to be more confusing from here. I feel great urgency to tell you, please get out of politics and start talking about the politics of meaning and things that will make a difference. Because I think we're running out of time, both Democrats and Republicans. LifeLock, virtually all Americans' data has been compromised by a security breach. So, you know, what do you do? What do you do? Security breach occurs when an intruder gains unauthorized access to, you know, the unprotected or even protected systems, and they hack in, that guard data. 
Cyber criminals are malicious and they will take everything you have and they will destroy your life if they care to. Uh, so what do you do? Well, you can't worry about this, too. It's why I have LifeLock. LifeLock, it is essential that you have LifeLock now. LifeLock.com. I want you to use the promo code back. These are algorithms that go in and hack. These are people that go in and hack. These are countries that are going in and hacking. And they are hacking American citizens just like you. Chaos is the word. So what does LifeLock do? Brings order to your world. They make sure they're watching it. Nobody can watch all cyber thefts or, you know, protect you against everything. However, they are absolutely the best at watching over your stuff. And if something slips through, they work to fix it. And they have a U.S.-based expert to do it and partner and call you up and say, okay, here's the plan. Here's what we're going to do. It's LifeLock. LifeLock.com. Use the promo code back. LifeLock.com. Save 10% now. LifeLock.com. Promo code back. I also happen to believe that the Hispanics should work harder at assimilation. That's oh. one of the things I've been saying for oh, a no. long time. Oh, my. Oh, you no. know, that they ought not to be just codified in their communities, but make sure that all of their kids are learning to speak English oh, and that God. they feel comfortable what in the communities. And that's going to take outreach on both sides. Frankly. Holy cow. Well, he's had to apologize for that one. By the way, Carol Swain, in unrelated news, uh, did a podcast uh, with me this weekend that is really well worth your time to listen uninterrupted. Carol Swain, one of the big thinkers of our day. Here she is uh, talking about political correctness and racism. I refuse to be silenced because America means a lot to me. And I think about my children, my grandchildren. And when I say my children, I'm not thinking just about my biological Mm -hmm. children. I'm thinking about all of those thousands of students that I've taught over the years. And uh, it troubles me what I see taking place. And it troubles me when I see racism against white people. Uh, The argument is that, you know, that white people uh, can't be victims of racism because uh, racism only applies to people that don't have power and all whites have privilege. Well, that is really... um, I'll say hogwash because I don't want to say the other word. I think that um, we need to stand for principles. And if the principle is non-discrimination on the basis of race, gender, uh, national origin, then it includes everybody. Mm-hmm. Non-discrimination has to be against every group. And so mm-hmm. it can't be one group that is safe to discriminate against, you know, that they have less rights. I think that um, is if... Isn't this what King really was talking about? I think so. I think so. And we have lost his message. I mean, he's out of vogue uh, nowadays, and people would prefer to embrace other leaders that are more divisive. And if we don't start to turn things around in America, I think that we will see our nation fall, and maybe in our lifetimes. Mm. That's uh, Professor Carol Swain, who is a very deep thinker. She is African-American. She was beloved by everybody until she came out as a conservative. And then all those awards and everything else and accolades went away. Uh, But her brilliance needs to be heard. You can get it at iTunes. Listen to the free podcast wherever you listen to the Glenn Beck podcast. You're listening to Glenn Beck.